0: Hi, everyone. This is Working Title, the podcast where we, four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us and. <laughs> <coughs> 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 oh, I got. Yeah, that's you, lad. All right. Well, welcome back to episode 40, not counting various specials. This is our 40th movie uh, working title, the podcast where, as you just heard in the intro, we review movies on IMDb. So what is lucky number 40 for us? This week, we're talking about 12 monkeys, which is um, kind of an oddball in every way to say the least, because this is, a uh, This is a 1995 sci fi film um, directed by Terry Gilliam, who is most notable as one of Monty Python's Flying Circus. Um, Starring like a a star studded cast with uh, Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt, most notably, and then also Madeline Stowe and Christopher Plummer and David Morse. There is, it's hard to know where to start with this one. The the general premise is uh, Bruce Willis is a person from a post apocalyptic future, sent back to try and figure out the the start and cause of a virus that devastated the world. Um, we'll just put it on the table now. It's it feels a little timely, a little topical. I think uh, COVID references are low hanging fruit, so I I can't promise we'll avoid
1: them. There but, goes all my fucking notes. Um,
0: yeah, it's a uh, almost too easy. But yeah, so whew, this is a wild one. I think we're going to have a lot to say about it. Before we start talking about the plot and all that stuff, um, let's introduce us, uh, the reviewers in the studio. My name's Jack, and if I were sent back to 1990 uh, and delivered news that would get me thrown in, a, in, thrown in an insane asylum, I would be telling the, uh, the naive and innocent people of 1990 that in only 26 short years... The Cubs will win the World Series again.
1: (laughs) Damn it. I was going to do a sport joke. (laughs) Shit.
0: You can still do a sports joke. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's open for you. My name is Mike. And um, if I went back to the 1990s, I think I would tell people uh, real life supervillain billionaires are launching themselves into space uh, with homemade rockets to flex on each other while the economy collapses.
0: Are you going to tell them that some of the rockets look like dicks?
2: They all look like dicks. Or is that just
0: too much for the mortal mind to comprehend?
2: Honestly,
1: I think that's kind of just uh, expected at this point. And they're going to be like, well, who's the billionaire? And be like, you know the bookstore? (laughs) (laughs) That internet bookstore that's not going anywhere. You're not going to believe it. (laughs) All right. Um, My name is Shane. And if I came back, I would rot in a sane asylum trying to convince the people of 1990 that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win two Super Bowls in their lifetime. (laughs) Or hear me out. There's this island. Oh, (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I can also tell them about a woman from Baltimore that will bring down the royalty again.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Alright, uh, there we go. Okay, I'm June. Uh, I think I'd be a little more cryptic in my 1990 uh, revelations. I'd probably just go around screaming Fukushima Daiichi. <laughs> Talk about moving the generators, you know? <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> why am I the only one that's laughing? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this guy all about? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the, we're all. Then they'll still label you a terrorist when it happens. <laughs> they didn't.
0: Uh, I don't know if they would have in 1990.
3: <laughs> that they labeled me a terrorist for creating a tsunami. <laughs> I mean, any man that can predict a tsunami can
1: create it, correct? <laughs> I, I believe that That's is what, written somewhere. One of the three rules As... <laughs> of tsunamis.
2: Is that the uh, the the sequel
1: starring Brad Pitt again? Yeah, but yeah, he's he's trying to st- stop Fukushima, and this time Bruce Willis has gone crazy. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so let's see. Before you get into walking through kind of the the plot points of this movie, I do want to just give like the general notion: is Bruce Willis lives in a pandemic-ravaged, uh, plague-ravaged future, gets sent back in time to try and figure out where the virus started. And he goes back and forth a number of times and there's like a whole bunch of like twists and turns and stuff. Right. So I will say if this is the kind of thing that you really want to watch, just from what we've heard, um, don't watch it before you listen, because there are, it's not a direct, um, plot. But with that said, uh, Mike, why don't you tell us what happens here?
2: So the movie starts with a, dreams uh, dream scenario, um, where, a boy sees a slow-motion uh, scene of a man being shot in an airport. Uh, flashes over, Bruce Willis wakes up. His name is James Cole, and he is in the year 2035 and is a uh, prisoner in this underground uh, facility beneath uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Cole is selected to go on uh, volunteer duty, which means he needs to go up on onto the... Uh, surface of the uh, of, of Philadelphia and collect samples of animals that are up there. As you kind of described at the beginning or explained, uh, some kind of virus had killed 5 billion people in the world, and the remaining survivors had to go underground in order to uh, continue to survive. Um, this society uses their prisoners to go out and scout out and kind of look for these, uh, these um, uh, different samples up on the surface. And while... James Cole is up there scouting around. He you know, comes across some animals who apparently are not affected by this virus at all. Um, on the surface, there are signs uh, indicating that a group called the 12 Monkeys were responsible for this uh, attack. At least that's what the people in uh, the underground sanctuaries kind of believe. Um, so that establishes kind of how this has happened and at least how the people underground think it happened and uh, and why. Um after James gets back into the facility and is in a scrub down with his first naked scene, uh, one of many throughout the film, he uh, <laughs> is told by the by kind of like the scientists and and government overlords that run this underground facility that, because of his uh, really keen memory and mind, his job is going to be uh, to go back in time now. Uh, to try to figure out where the virus kind of originated or who started it so that they can't, they're not going to stop it. They, you know, they don't, they know that time travel is not going to, their paradoxes with time travel aren't going to uh, fix the future. However, they do think that it will help them kind of track down the virus in the past. So they have the ability to send a scientist back later on to study the virus and come up with some kind of vaccine or cure uh, in the present day, 2035 uh, Philadelphia So he – Cole is – he arrives back in Baltimore um, in 1990, which was six years before he was supposed to go back to uh, to kind of find out when the the outbreak happened in 1996. And uh, Cole arrives six years too early because, um, as it it kind of describes, science is not an exact science uh, when it comes to time travel. Uh, Cole is then arrested because – he is obviously insane because he's talking about a future that has not happened yet, and uh, he assaults uh, some police officers in the 1990 world and is thrown into a uh, prison where he then is deemed insane and uh, is sent to an insane asylum. Uh, his psychiatrist, who kind of uh, deems him as insane, um, is the is our uh, other lead in this movie. It's Dr. Catherine uh, Riley, and she is uh, uh, one of the top a uh, psychiatrist working at this facility, this insane asylum in in Baltimore. Uh, so Cole arrives at this facility. He's put on drugs, sedated, and you know, brought into the the general kind of uh, area where where he meets the other um, patients. I guess you would call them at this men- mental hospital. Um, and he's introduced to uh, a man named Jeffrey um, Jeffrey Goines, who is played by Brad Pitt. Um, Jeffrey is what appears to be uh, an environmentalist, uh, anti kind of corporation kind of person, uh, but also kind of a schizophrenic, um, you know, uh, he has his own mental illness and he, he actually really belongs there. Jeffrey kind of shows him around and, and as they kind of get to know each other, uh, James is, is constantly trying to get a phone call and trying to convince, you know, the guards and, and the, and the doctors that he's not insane and, you know, to no avail. Um, he is able to finally try to get a phone call where he he explains that there's a voicemail box in the present um, where there he can leave a message that can then be decrypted, uh, you know, forty five years into the future, so that he can kind of pass along messages between the past and uh, his present. Uh, when he attempts to try to call this phone number, it goes to a, a woman and it's not the right people, uh, which to him makes sense because he, he tries to explain that this is six years before he was supposed to be there. Um, and he's he's not able to get this message back to his people in, in 2035. Um, during his stay at the mental uh, institute, he is determined to get somebody to believe that this group called the 12 Monkeys is going to cause this uh, mass extinction of the human race. And in doing so, he some kind of gives a uh, Jeff Jeffrey kind of an idea where as I explained Jeffrey's kind of a uh anti-corporation environmentalist and and Jeffrey kind of latches on to some of the words he's saying and and Jeffrey decides that he's going to try to help Cole somehow escape from this uh asylum um in doing so he he it's unsuccessful. He he's on a bunch of drugs when he's trying to get out. Jeffrey provides him with a key, a key, and he causes a distraction. Cole tries to make it out of the uh, the locked facility, but he ends up getting caught and thrown into uh, solitary confinement where he's strapped down to the table. Uh, right after though, he disappears and he got transported back to uh, twenty thirty five, where he uh, gives his report back to the uh, the the scientists and the overlords that are running that world that he was essentially unsuccessful.
0: Um, There's a lot
2: that happens in this part, so I think there's a a lot to talk about up to here. Yeah, this is
0: a pretty good place to stop. I do want to jump in and just get one quick thing. So when they they capture him after he makes his escape, attempts to escape from the the asylum, and then he gets disappeared and time-traveled back, and they say, do you expect he's you know like wriggling through a vent is that a diehard reference
2: (laughs) no it's interesting there are a couple of references well what i thought were references but if you look at the timeline of when movies came out they almost don't add up at one point during the film uh, not to shy away from what you're saying because i I think that is interesting but he does he says um uh you know he's running through the city and he he makes the he makes the he says the phrase all i see is dead people and this movie Uh came out Years before... Uh,
3: four years before... Oh, my um, God. The Sixth okay. Sense. All right, so as, while we're on the topic of the, the Bruce Willis conspiracy, I have another one. How about instead of sending scientists to the past to determine the, uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, how this virus ended up happening, let's send a fucking prisoner. Like, <laughs> yeah, like much like how prisoner. we should... and <laughs> Much well, like how we should, instead of sending astronauts... To stop (laughs) the asteroid, we send miners.
0: So, what you're saying is we should have sent astronauts into the past. Yeah. To stop the (laughs) asteroid.
3: I just keep seeing Bruce Willis in Armageddon
1: throughout, just so much Armageddon in Hollywood. (laughs) And his only qualification for being selected to go back into the past is he was good at finding bugs. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah during the insane asylum scene he's uh well during when he went up to the surface in the beginning of the movie he was collecting uh, like spiders and then when he's in the in the in the past uh 1990s a spider is like on his bedpost and he grabs it because he has to bring it back and he figures the best way to do it is to shove it into his mouth and ingest it
1: to be dissolved by his stomach acids <laughs> right.
0: oh i missed that. i thought he was just eating it because he was hungry
1: and ate spiders all the time <laughs> No, because he even goes, he's like, didn't I do good? I brought a spider. It's inside me right now. (laughs) But I ate it. So um, one thing I noticed stylistically throughout this movie and knowing that Terry Gilliam was part of Monty Python, all I can see is like this being a serious Monty Python. Because like the future is, while it's kind of scary, it's also really silly looking Oh, ridiculous. The scientist look so ridiculous, and they have like this monocle thing, but it shows all their eyes—just one eye staring at him. And yeah, the uh, the MTV
2: Globe TV that's interviewing him—it's like up in his face. Yeah,
1: oh, I, and like everything. I loved the
0: the dystopic future. This I I thought that was like the best part of this movie. It was weird, but it I loved was it.
1: Super weird, but it looked almost like a Monty Python skit was about to break out. Well, the yeah, thing is. Was... It with the seriousness
2: of this film and how it kind of it points to the fact that he is the the you know Monty Python fly circuses the weird um the weird music number that comes in throughout mm-hmm. it like the, the French the accordion like the accordion music that just is so out of place for a serious film. Yeah just, that, I, Yeah.
3: Like, I see what you're what you're saying, Mike, and it's it was almost too much, I think. because like, it's like that dystopic future is almost comedic. Yeah. And like, Mm -hmm. I I did note down, like, the prop work was really good. But again, Mm -hmm. then, like, all the past scenes are super serious and suspenseful. But the future is just like, what is going on? Also, like, (laughs) why did they build all this shit?
0: It, (laughs) it, so this felt like a movie from the 70s to me, if that makes sense. Like, the mm -hmm. pre Star Wars sci fi or like David Lynch's Dune, like Blade Runner. yeah nothing can be happy i haven't seen it june Um, (laughs) it um yeah it kind of felt like it had that kind of sensibility and it it felt like it was paced like a movie from the 70s it felt like it was um you know like the the cinematography was kind of weird there were lots of like weird close ups and i feel like there was an element of like you know sort of uh representing the insane feeling of cole through the camera work but it it came together in a very weird way which i feel like was intentional but landed uh, it didn't exactly stick the landing
1: yeah Did you guys get a lot of fight club feel from this too so i so
2: talking to fight club and brad pitt phenomenal acting so well done like he he did such a great job as his mental patient so good
0: yeah well, even Bruce Willis, it's refreshing to see Bruce Willis care.
2: Well, this was during <laughs> Bruce Willis's 10-year heyday, right? Like, yeah. this is when he was coming out with, you know, Die Hard, Fifth Element, all the all those
1: good 90s Bruce Willis action kind of films. This is yeah, before he fans. went on a vacation with Steven Seagal, and he's like, Bruce, I got the ticket, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, um, but yeah, Brad Pitt was excellent.
1: Um, he stole the show oh yeah yeah, every scene he's in he's he's doing a lot and like that's the perfect crazy too is like it's kind of like their joker characters and stuff where everything they're spouting you kind of agree with a little bit you're like hey it's not it's not too wrong like are we crazy which i think is kind of like a theme throughout the movie of who's really crazy Uh other other than the broken time travel loop which we can talk later but like I kept trying to understand, not quite the thesis of this movie, but it was like, because the future, he he does a direct tie with the insane asylum looks almost just like the future, right? And they're treated yeah. pretty much the same as well. And obviously that that's on purpose. He's trying to say something there.
2: I think at this point, like the, the film, I, th- I got the feeling that what they were trying to do was they were trying to make it into one of those films where you're not sure, kind of like a Shutter Island, where is he really crazy or if he's is he actually sane? Um, is this all made up? And they kind of alluded to that a little bit with the, his psychiatrist um, talking about how she was doing her uh, thesis on... The type of insanity that he's kind of experiencing, and and, and there was another uh m- mental patient who explained very clearly that he knows he is crazy. He knows that he's delusional and he's making up this world to deal with other things, but it's real for him. So it's almost
1: like they started to play around with that
2: a little bit. It really didn't get too solid throughout the film. I don't feel like, but they did kind
1: of allude to it a little well, bit. They tried, and then they chopped it with the boy in the barn. Right, like that. I was like, oh well, yeah, oh, this is well, real. We'll
0: get to we'll get to that in a second, but. It's definitely not a Shutter Island. It it is very much real, and it is unambiguous.
2: But Bruce Willis's character at this time in the movie he's, right. he's very determined that it's it. He knows what reality is, and he's he's trying to get out of this institute in order to provide the. But everybody else around him starting to kind of they're starting to put the seed of doubt in his brain by kind of making him feel like maybe he might be crazy, but he hasn't fully succumbed to that yet. Yeah. What I found
3: interesting was it unlike like Shutter Island, you watch it and you have. Really no suspicion that something is off, you know. Right. <laughs> Whereas in this movie it like it definitely was like something is very like wrong. There's gonna be some kind of twist, but I just like don't know what it is, you know? Yeah. To the point thought... where like I wanted to keep like I really I, I was on the edge of my seat, but not for the uh want of the plot, but like just to know what the actual fuck was going on.
0: <laughs> the directing of and like cinematography and the way this film together i think was almost anxiety
1: inducing yes yeah uh very which uncomfortable. you know well like yeah. i thought the twist was going to be i thought she was going to be a plant because they start to introduce throughout like these characters and even like when she's giving her lecture it's like there was this guy in eighteen or sixteen hundred who just appeared and was telling everyone there's a virus gonna kill everyone, and like so there's all these little prophets that you that aren't prophets. They're people from the future that have been placed there, and so I thought that that's what she was gonna be, like she was kind of there to guide him and make him do certain things. Turns well, out that was, that was that was that was not right. Completely
2: but. off the different movie going on with that. You know, going off of that though this the science being not an exact science with time travel also isn't about where it's going as far as proximity in the world. This thing's actually like a teleporter too. Like people are showing up in different parts of the world, let alone timelines. Like what's determining their coordinates Their their You know what I mean? Like why are people showing up in the middle of a brick wall? You know, like <laughs> are they losing? In other words, are they sending a bunch of people back through time and just losing loads of them?
1: And also, why does it follow Terminator rules? Why does everyone always have to be naked to travel through time? Like, oh, yeah. Does, no, does cloth Bruce
0: not hold an up? an inordinate amount of time getting hosed down and scrubbed by a
1: broom. I feel and- like he had it in his contract. He's like, my butt will be shown. He's hey, like, I did, for the 90s. He's like, I worked really hard for this body.
0: He has uh, Terry Gilliam, like the Quentin Tarantino of men's butts.
1: <laughs> yeah, Brad Pitt also shows his ass. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um I'll bring up my time loop thing later because that one's gonna take some time. But yeah, I'm thinking about that too. Don't even go into paradoxes. <laughs>
2: That's just
1: <laughs> Well, you have avoid I mean it's a time time travel movie, so we're gonna have to, but we're gonna um, have to talk about paradoxes. Yeah. Well just so let what? me know when y'all are ready to watch primer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Back
3: to so, the
2: future's on this list. Let's go about that one. Avengers
1: Endgame is on this list. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um have we gotten to where he shows up in world war one france no that happens i think right that's next. next yeah so right unless next.
0: you've got anything to get into june or mike i'm ready to get onto that
3: yeah we can get uh, ahead a little bit uh, let's see all my plots were or all my notes were in this first section <laughs> so uh
0: yeah, I'm noticing I do that for every movie. Either I get engrossed in the film and stop taking notes or I start zoning out and I stop Ooh. taking notes. I, I have yeah. a,
1: a question to propose. So this movie drops a lot of, I want to say, hints throughout or like nods because like they mentioned monkeys a lot. Then they, they show the you know animals getting like experimented on and they, they do all those things. But some of them, like when you think about it, you go like, wait. Did they just pepper that in to make you think that they're dropping hints? Cause it really doesn't tie in. You know what yes. I mean? Like they I, would say th- the word monkey a lot and you'd be like, oh, oh, what are they trying and then you go, Oh, they're just like it seems lazy to me. It's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, there's a game of like monkeys or whatever, but that doesn't it doesn't tie in. The, it's not as clever as I feel like they think they're being. I think the biggest
2: uh I guess eluding Part of this film is throughout the film, we see this recurring dream that Cole keeps having of this airport scene where he's a little boy and he's seeing uh, a man get shot in the back and a woman that we now know is, uh, we you know, we recognize her in the film at this point as being the psychiatrist, but she has blonde hair. And that's kind of like, we obviously know that's going to happen at the yeah, end. Yeah, that like, was pretty you know? easy to, to predict. It wasn't
0: advertised that the boy was him at the outset.
2: Right. Oh, was it not? I, no. That might be something. Just because I've seen it before, I, I just c- already related it in
1: my brain. I don't yeah. know if I saw it before. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember. But I definitely picked up pretty early. I was like, I bet that's him. But yeah. I, he also, I remember one of the dreams, he remembers Brad Pitt running by. Is that yeah. just him so that's the thing. Is throughout the
2: film, the dream changes. Like in the very first yes. part, oh. you don't see the face of the man. And then you see it as Brad Pitt. And then later
3: on, you see it as somebody else.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah.
3: So I think, it, I think it's very... Uh, well, assumed that the child is him, mm-hmm. but you're you're right in that it, the plot kind of thickens as far the plot being his dream, uh, as the movie goes on. Because you're right. Because I thought at the end, when you know the actual dream came to fruition, I was like, did was it Bruce Willis the whole time, like in a mustache? <laughs> and I don't. It, it wasn't right. It, like they don't show it at the beginning. No, and then it was, who it was Brad Pitt. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I think this movie. Well, I mean, a big theme is like, like Blade Runner. You know, it's a lot of okay. How much do you trust your memory? How much? What's real? What isn't? It's almost like a sort of prototypical mindfuck movie, right? I, I think that's just a, a huge part of what this is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, to to its defense, well, not its defense, but to its credit, to it, while it is. Kind of like a mind fuck and like you can get really tied up in the wait, what? But it's actually as you watch it kind of simple though. Like if you don't think too hard and you just watch, it it lays everything out nicely for you, kind of. It's when you start to pull the threads that you start to just go like, ow <laughs> and you like massage well, your head.
3: <laughs> like there was a lot of blatant stuff that was very detracting, like the the doctors, I guess, like the the council, as it were. Oh, Jesus, like, yeah. They're obviously... The, the shadow like, council? Yeah, so they're, like, painted as the antagonists in this, right? Like, And why, why was that necessary? It seems I like think... these are, like, the
1: evil doctors, but in reality, I mean, they're not. Well, so here's my theory. Is that they... So it... Are we allowed to talk about the end? Why not? But so the shadow council or the doctors the the people that will eventually bring Nick Fury out of a cage to do something else. But like he they send him back and because she's sitting at the end and she goes, I'm insurance. Right. I took that as they want this future to happen. That is their goal because they have all the power. They're this oligarchy. They're this like this technocracy that owns everybody. And that doesn't happen without the virus being released. So they're using time travel to ensure that that eventuality is constant.
2: Well, I think I can bring some light to that. Might change your opinion. Um, they said that the goal of this of the scientists and the reason why they're sending back convicts is they don't want to send one back a scientist because they're too important in the future until they discover the exact location or where the virus comes from. And at that point, they're going to send back a scientist to do the research in the past. Bruce Willis explains this to uh, Catherine at some point during the film. That's right. Uh, so, he does say that. So at the end of the film, that scientist sitting next to him on the flight is the, showing that Bruce Willis finished his job. He was successful. They figured out who the actual bad guy was with the virus. And she when she says, I'm insurance... That she meant by that is, this is the scene where we now show that Bruce Willis's death (spoiler) uh, was not in vain, and that the scientists are then back in time to study the virus, just as they said they were going to do.
1: Oh, so his job what, was to she push that guy onto that plane.
2: No, her his, his job was discover who it was, because right, because they they thought it was mm. the twelve monkeys the whole time, and at mm. the end it turned
3: out not to be the twelve monkeys. So, I got some other theories, but hmm. I think All they right. I think they require you to finish the plot. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I also have some theories.
2: Sure, let's talk about it. All right, so Bruce Willis gets sucked back to his 2035 reality and um, is, again, put on the stand in front of these um, the scientists. Uh, and they explain to him that he, he essentially uh, has one more chance to go back to the past um, because they have a voice recording uh, that they think was sent by him that they're able to kind of piece together where the message kind of uh, asserts that the um, Association of the Army of the Twelve Monkeys were the cause of the virus. So now he is kind of on the track to find them, and he points out when they're going through some photos of, did you see any of these people? He does point out that he did see Jeffrey, and Jeffrey appears to be kind of the uh, the lead, or the head, I should say, of the uh, Army of the Twelve Monkeys. Um, so they try again. They get Cole hooked up onto their time machine, um, put him into a, a giant... Um, I don't know, Ziploc bag, and they shove him through uh, <laughs> the wall, which sends him back in time. Um, where This time, to the correct date, well, almost the correct date, on his way through time, he uh, ends up in France during World War I and is uh, promptly shot by a-, a French soldier, thinking he's some kind of naked spy from the Germans that got into the trenches with him. <laughs> As uh, they do. He immediately is... <laughs> He also sees one of his friends, another cellmate of his, who they must also be using to send back in time. Um, I forgot his name, but it, really unimportant. But this uh, Jose. So he sees this guy named Jose, who's also been uh, badly hurt during uh, the World War One. Uh, but however, Cole was in transit uh, through time and just made kind of a layover in France. Uh, but he makes it to 1996 uh, Baltimore again. And uh, but he, now he has a a, a bullet in his like from a, a rifle from World War One. Uh, this is being six years later from his original uh, 1990 first arrival. The his psychiatrist, Catherine, uh, Doctor Catherine, is uh, doing a study of this this mental disorder called the Cassandra Complex, where it is essentially what they diagnosed. Um, Cole with was somebody who has created this delusional world around them and is convinced that it's real. Um, in the in her kind of speech, she kind of alludes that there have been other moments through history where other people have shown up and out of seemingly nowhere and had kind of a similar um, mental disorder. Talking about this virus that's going to destroy humanity in the nineties, um, even going to the point where there's a photo of Jose in World War One being on a stretcher. And he was another one of those stories that is in the history books of a, a man showing up and oddly being able to speak English in France and is wounded and then disappears. So she's already kind of studying kind of the uh, the whole background of what's happening to Cole and the scientists sending those people back. Which is important later on in the story as, as Cole starts to try to convince her that he is from the future. Cole shows up at her uh, at the end of her speech, and he kidnaps her. She's getting into her car and tells her to drive, uh, telling her that he has he has a gun. Uh, she starts to drive him out of town, and he explains that Baltimore. You know, he reveals himself as being Cole, and and her being terrified that she's going to kill him, kind of uh, agrees to drive him to uh, the next kind of lead that he has in the past. Um, Cole, you know, he's kind of getting a little bit euphoric with the air and and he's kind of, he's obviously not a huge threat and you can kind of tell that that's kind of the dynamic she's seen that he's not a giant threat, but he's still, he still is acting pretty insane. And, uh, she's trying to convince him that he is insane. Uh, during this drive, it's important that there's a story on the radio where she, they're talking about this boy who falls down in the well and Cole kind of being from the future and also being a little boy during the 1960s, 1996. Um, Says, you know, oh, it's, this boy ends up being found, is, and he's like in a barn, <clears throat> which is strange because you know she she still thinks he's he's insane and doesn't believe him. Uh, however, that kind of comes into play later on as as she starts to kind of believe that maybe something odd is going on here. Anyways, so after they go for a drive for a while, and he he has her kidnapped overnight. Um, Nine and eight,
0: Mike's time-traveling back to when he watched this movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, you guys can talk about that for real quick. Just give me a second. So, this part of the movie is where I have my biggest problem with the movie, and that is the budding love story. And the whole premise that Bruce Willis acted kind of like a normal person in the beginning, but for some reason, when he's interacting with humans in the past, he knows nothing but to be a psycho. Like... He could really do himself a lot of favors by going back in time and maybe like trying to hold it together because he, he understands he's time traveling. So maybe hold it together for a second. Don't just we're all going to die. So I was, Yeah, I was going to bring this up later, but that, that
3: goes back to my earlier point. Like, why, why don't we send a normal human that isn't going to assault two cops as soon as he shows up? <laughs> right. And also, like, why is his memory gone? Like he remembers the I, well boy. I don't think his memory is gone. Well, no. So he remembers the well boy being a fraud, mm-hmm. like down to the nitty gritty details of like they found him in a barn. But he can't remember a fucking airport shooting that he was a part of. <laughs> well, I mean, how much do you remember from when you were six? Right, I like... would remember an airport shooting. Yeah, where I witnessed a man get gunned the fuck down.
1: I, I also seriously repress that. <laughs> would remember big companies and I'd probably go back in time and definitely play the stock market and never go back to the dystopic <laughs> oh, future <yes>. I'm trying <laughs> to say. <laughs> Like,
0: hey, uh, you definitely were on top of the stock market when you were six. six.
2: The, so the reason they keep doing, the reason they keep sending him back in time, is they he apparently he has a photographic memory and he remembers things like numbers and phone numbers, and so that's why they're kind of u- using him because he well apparently he not we, as we know yeah. as we know time traveling involves you being nude and so you can't bring back a notebook with you.
1: But he also like they're like we selected you because you have a strong brain and and stuff. So. Why can't he go back and immediately his first meeting with anybody in the past, which aren't like, it's not like he went back to caveman or Victor, you know, British Victoria and times like he just went to 1990 and he's just drooling and yelling. And he's like, like, what what does he think that's going to do? He is the worst person to send to the back
2: I feel like the twenty thirty five Grand Council or, Council or whatever. They, I think they lose a lot of their people. Like that's essentially the, like kind of the the thing between the prisoners of like a lot of people go back and don't end up trying to get back to the the present. Right? They,
1: <laughs> they end up all just, become like, hobos. They end up
3: doing a bunch of drugs and, <laughs> and hookers. I think they say in the movie. <laughs> well, and he's he's like coherent, right? Like in the opening, he um they send him to the surface or something, and he, he does a bunch of shit. I I don't really pay too much attention, but um. He's so it's, yeah so he's not like he's not like mentally defunct so i just don't understand like why he would not go back to the future or back to the past and be like okay i should yeah i, I need to like keep my shit together yeah and because all i have to do is
1: literally make a phone call yeah right <laughs> uh and it's not like he has to do it with like it's not like they use some crazy different technology to make phone calls in the future like it's not like he's like i need a transpond- transponder sponder they, they were talking <laughs> about his
2: criminal history apparently he had like four violent offenses so i think he just has anger
1: issues yeah. <laughs> and that brings me to my next issue is the the love story that forms so she's like oh i feel like i know you so like okay i'm okay with using that as like a weird like I can sense you through time bullshit to kind of cut through some of the chaff. But they have had no positive interaction other than kidnapping, threatening, and crazy talk. And they have like this, she realizes that he's right, but they don't have anything where like something as simple as they eat dinner together or just some sort of normal human interaction that would like Cause her to start to like him, unless their love is purely based on Stockholm syndrome. I don't know that <laughs> I, there was
3: really a love story. No, uh, I didn't get that at all. Maybe really? at the very end, after she has realized that all you know, he's telling the truth, kind of thing, and they're like pretty much have to because. So,
0: uh, I'm kind of with Shane here. Like, I it wasn't like a a romance by any means, but I definitely feel like by the end of the movie, she's kind of. Inter, you know, like going to bat for him and interested in him in a way that goes beyond just like I don't know yeah, professionalism. Well, that,
3: that's what I'm saying, though. That the a case could be made for that at the end. Again, after once you realize that you you know this some this heavy shit has gone down, sure. But I don't think it was necessarily a budding romance from the start. No, um, and
2: at, at this point in the plot. um, So what happened when you know they eventually make it to where so at this point cole is trying to track down uh jeffrey right and and we find out that jeffrey is actually the son of a um a famous neurological like you know virologist virologist. doctor uh so that's ties into the theory that he's part of the person who spreads these viruses but while this is happening the doctor, you know, Catherine is is still trying to get away from him. There's a couple spots where she had a chance, but because of some odd coincidences, she decides to kind of stick it out. It's not because of at this point yet yeah, Stockholm syndrome or falling or like having a romance, but they do go to the point where they, they kind of track down some old colleagues of Jeffrey's and they kind of, you know, make it more concrete that Jeffrey is going to be behind this, this you know, plot to release this virus Um, ends up leading to this party where, you know, Cole drives Doctor Doctor. Uh, I'm just calling her Catherine. Drives Catherine out into the woods and locks her in the trunk. Goes in to the, to confront Jeffrey. And Jeffrey denies knowing him at first, but then kind of reveals that yes, he does have some kind of plot going on. And Cole has to run away because the uh, there's a lot of a uh, you know high end secret service and, and police there. Um, before he gets caught, though, he he makes it back to where Catherine is and lets her out of the trunk. And this is where the first kind of where you start to see almost maybe a friendship, I guess, starting to form is where she is starting to kind of believe him a little bit. She helped him out in the woods by removing the bullet that was stuck in his leg uh, that she eventually gives to the cops who runs it through forensics and finds out it's from World War One. And this is where she starts to get really confused. Uh, Cole disappears in, in this river right before he gets caught, right after being uh right after the party where he kind of, uh, went after Jeffrey, um, which is again, kind of confuses her. And, and she goes in and is interviewed by the police. And she explains that it's a natural reaction for her to have some kind of respect or, uh, I guess attachment to her kidnapper, the Stockholm syndrome part, because Cole did fight off some, some thugs when they were kind of investigating Jeffrey and, and the, uh, the homeless kind of population. Um, and throughout this area, like it's sprinkled in that a lot of homeless people in this area might be from the future as well. They're they're monitoring um Cole somehow. And uh one of these one of this crazy homeless people that comes up and alludes to the fact that he's from the future. He's actually a voice that he hears when he keeps going back to twenty thirty five um telling him that he's he'll he'll be dumb if he goes back to twenty thirty five. He should stay in the past. Um Furthering maybe his psychosis, but it does kind of pepper in that there's some way that they're tracking Cole
3: in, in the past to make sure that he's doing his job correctly. Back on Catherine and her, I think the groundwork was laid early on. I think she continues to derive interest from the peculiarities of, of Bruce Willis' character. Because at the beginning, she's giving a lecture on the like apocalyptic fucking... Uh, Cassandra Pro- prophecies because- I guess? Yeah, yeah 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 so i think she you know has a vested interest in shit like this and and i think she's more subject she's able to be more subjective to these theories just intrinsically i think yeah so that's I, I i don't find it yeah. all that like crazy that she would continue to like ah like maybe you know you know what i mean instead of being purely skeptical i
1: don't know i just look at it as a hobo kidnapper <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> Also, she's just okay with people saying crazy things to her like the doctors say crazy things to her all the time and like she doesn't say anything and um when she gives her lecture and the the actual bad guy comes up to her and he's like, "Don't you think the human race should just all die?" And she's like, "Oh, right, here's your book." Like she doesn't even react to him. He's <laughs> like she's like, "Okay, crazy guy." She just has a high tolerance for crazy. Right. and then a side little note the cops in this movie well just anyone in authority is just awful but the law and order guy that shows up to like investigate her kidnapping i don't get him because he imme- the first thing he does is like why do you like this guy you sicko like he just <laughs> berates the woman who has just been kidnapped Everybody knows good cop work involves berating <laughs> your victim. And then, like, he finds the bullet that she gave, or he runs the bullet that she gave him, right? She didn't, like, hide the bullet. And he's like, this bullet's from, they said it's from 1920 and it's a French bullet. You need to answer some questions. Come on down. <laughs> like, what? What did, what is he suspicious of with her? You got a, time, <laughs> you got a, you got a permit to time travel? Yeah. It's just time cop shows up. (laughs) I just did not get his suspicion or like why the cops thought other than her being like, he's not crazy. Like I could see them being like, all right, but she turned him in. She turned in the bullet and everything. You feel, you feel like they would kind of look past a little bit that she's a little off after being kidnapped, you know? Was... Was she ever introduced to the notion of World War One prior to the bullet? <laughs> um, oh, what do yes. You mean, what do you mean? Because in her lecture, she talks about World War One. Because she, she,
2: she talks about how there was Jose, which is another one of his – it was his kind of cellmate from 2035 who's also been sent back to try to figure this virus thing out. She has a little bit about him in his book, and there's a photo of – of Jose on a, on a gurney, or I should say, whatever, a stretcher, in World War One, but that's that's kind of it. Okay, but he, that was he prior does to them say, finding... Yeah. Okay.
1: but He, he yeah. does
0: say he was in World War One, though, right? Dude, he, he tells Bruce her. Willis?
1: No, he just said he was no, in some kind of yeah, war when he, he got didn't, shot. He didn't recognize oh, okay. it.
3: Okay, that makes because more sense, because <laughs> I was like, the whole, like, this bullet was from 1920, and, uh, like... Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's not all that wild, but that makes sense if she had a preconceived notion.
2: What ends up happening right after that is so like I said, all these weird little coincidences are starting to kind of put together in her mind. And once she hears that 1920, she goes back to her apartment and she starts going through all of her photos for her research. And she pulls up that photo of Jose on the gurney. And in the background, she sees Bruce Willis. Um, just who had just barely showed up from time traveling and now she believes Bruce Willis is concrete in her brain and she goes looking for him. So, sorry,
0: this is a little pedantic, but isn't what would distinguish a bullet as from World War I, like the 80 years between that and 1990?
2: Yeah, I was thinking that too. When, like when, you like can, Bruce
0: you can Willis, that. it's been like 25 minutes. You oh, know? Yeah. Like, Did they carbon date it? no that's the yeah. well, that's, that's, this so this if you're, so you're telling manufactured me manufactured in 1920 while well, they sit in warehouses <laughs> so yeah.
2: you're telling me if i take a replica gun from the you know 1800s and i go shoot it at a range it's gonna blow some scientists' minds my god <laughs> <Yeah>. this bullet <laughs> yeah anyway um whew,
0: actually i don't know i don't have anything to say <laughs>
2: On top of that, like, where are the rules of time travel here? Like, he has to be naked to time travel back and forth, but he's able to carry a bullet
3: through time. Like, why can't he bring back other stuff?
0: It has to be through their teeth.
1: It has to be inside of him.
3: Yeah, it has to be inside of you. That's why he was able to bring the spider back.
1: Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe (laughs) that spider just aged dramatically in his stomach. Lots, lots of Terminator rules going on here yeah <laughs> you can only bring back what you ingest <laughs> maybe the bullet inside of him
3: aged through time <laughs> <laughs>
0: i mean i'm just gonna put this out there i think this is a really interesting movie that is just
1: really messy that's yeah. a that's a good way to put it it is it is
0: the opposite of tight well especially yeah, the since first time I, I
1: watched
2: it i had no idea what was
1: happening Well, especially since my takeaway was there's a cabal of time-travel Nazis that just ensure a dystopian future loop.
2: (laughs) That's so weird. I
3: didn't get that at all. Yeah,
1: but that that was stuck (laughs) on when does the loop start, though.
3: (laughs) This whole thing is, like, self-fulfilling, which is, I guess, a common paradox in in time-travel stories. That is the paradox of time-travel. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, basically, if... Th- this will be an endless loop and with no solution, right? Yeah, well, that's, I don't, because that's, that's, that's my theory.
0: Is that this is an endless loop with no solution? It's I, self-causing.
2: I yeah. like this as far as because t- yes, that is it's a that paradox of time travel is is uh, inherent in all time travel. But I like this version of the movie where Bruce Willis or sorry Cole is throughout it telling people like it i'm not here to stop it it's going to happen regardless it's going to happen i'm not here to stop it. i'm just trying to get information so that in the future we can make a vaccine for it or that find out or a to study
1: it that is a refreshing take yeah for sure. where it's like we're not trying to change the past we're just trying to prep for the future kind of thing
0: so here's my question on the note of it being sort of a, a closed loop right where Bruce Willis goes back in time in order to be where he was in something he already experienced, right? Where he sees himself get shot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that does that extend even further to like the the future? Pangandromes, the scientists, in part causing this because, right, and we'll get to this in a second. I'm skipping ahead a bit, but the person who perpetrates it is someone who was so- at the conference where. Um, Dr. Rayleigh um, yeah. spoke, right? And clearly influenced by her work, right? Um, and watching, like seeing the images of uh, Bruce Willis and his buddy in World War One, you know, and influenced by this. So is this pandemic caused or this, you know, plague caused by the time-traveling actions as well, right? Like it feels, like you said, June, like a closed loop, right?
2: Well,
0: because everything they do... To prevent it, also ends up perpetuating
2: it. You're you're just describing the boot the bootstrap paradox, right? The bootlace paradox. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's that's why you know I'm not. That is essentially the paradox. And what what I'm wondering is is the end result of this movie that everything they do does nothing.
3: I think Should the I, one thing that's removed from the loop though is Doctor Peters because he's kind of separate from all of this. And I I would say no. No action that the time traveling,
1: you know, mess caused, influenced Peters at well, all. Well, didn't didn't he gain access to the virus because the they changed the security protocols because Christopher sure. Plummer I mean, had but... to be removed from the security oh, did protocols. He? Yeah, I remember, because she calls him and he's like, oh, you're crazy. There'll never be a breach here. And he goes, my son's pretty fucking crazy. We should probably remove me from the security protocol. He's going to kidnap me and use me. So, like, right, and that's he removes he himself. It. So then that scientist has pure access to the virus with no checks. Uh, well, well, we yeah, and,
0: and he literally watched Dr. Rayleigh talk about this uh, this thing observed in the people. That were sent back as time travelers,
3: right? But wouldn't wouldn't he have had access to it anyway, regardless of if he changed the protocols or not? I
1: mean, as the lead virologist, I think so. But you know, I could go into even
2: even even more deep than that when he's. When he first meets uh, Jeffrey at the insane asylum, he tells Jeffrey about the twelve. The army is the twelve monkeys, and then later on in 1996, Jeffrey is talking about how he gave Jeffrey the idea for the twelve monkeys, which then leads him in the future to go back looking for the twelve monkeys. You got to You know, what you got to <laughs> do with time travel movies. You just got to let that go. And You got to just you forget about the paradox because it's always going to be. It's always yeah. going to ruin oh, it. No,
0: no, no. I, well, it's well, it's clearly playing with the paradox, right?
3: No, it's fun. Yeah. I think the question is whether this movie in particular um, didn't address the paradox or the fact that it embraced it. Because I it, like the like, fact that it embraced oh, it,
1: embraced with, it yeah. with Jeffrey yeah.
2: saying, "Oh, you gave me the idea for the Twelve Monkeys, and right. that ended up leading that, that." That's the whole reason that um, Jeff or uh, Cole in the past is chasing the wrong lead is because
3: he gave himself the wrong lead in the past. Like, yeah, he yeah, started no, himself think, on the wrong journey. I think, I think that's what Jack's trying to trying to say is from a meta standpoint. Is this this oh, movie sure. was aware of said paradox? It mm-hmm. didn't ignore it, it used it to further its uh story. I'm just oh, so agree. grateful yeah.
1: Christopher Nolan didn't write this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could only the, think the other... of the brain pain from it. Did we hold on? Did we even
3: cover like the end of this plot? I could go real quick through it, yeah. That's, We're pretty close let's to finish the end. It
2: off. <laughs> All right, so after we learn about um, Jeffrey kind of uh, starting the Twelve Monkeys group, and uh, you know all the all the stuff we kind of covered right there, um, he is he's now with uh, Jet Cole's now with Catherine, and they're kind of on the lam, and uh, they're they're both trying trying to figure out where Jeffrey's going to make his hit for this this virus attack. They're kind of trying to track him down through uh, Philadelphia. Uh, as they're going through, uh, she Catherine decides to. Try the phone number again, the one that he tried earlier to try to reach back to the people in the future to see if whoever picks up is somebody from the future, which honestly is – I don't I don't think she understands the concept of leaving a voicemail that's going to be – because Cole kind of just explains how it works. He leaves a voicemail. It's decoded in the future and put back together. She calls this number, and she gets a um, – like a laundromat or something like that, and this convinces her that they're just crazy, that the, the people in the future don't have a, a – time phone to like talk to each other in the past, <laughs> and she leaves this kind of message about the army of the 12 monkeys and where they're gonna hit. And she's doing it kind of almost as a joke, which ends up being the same message that Cole was list that he listened to in the in the in 2020 2035 that led him back to this to begin with. Um, so when she comes back she kind of says jokingly they're insane and everything's gonna be okay and she relates the message and then Cole verbatim relates it back to her and now Now they both know it's not okay. They're still on this path to try to figure out where this virus came from. Uh, Jeffrey ends up using his group of the 12 monkeys to... Or his group of um, environmentalists to kidnap his father. It turns out that their whole plot was only to just release all of the animals in the Philadelphia Zoo into the city. And they're actually not behind the virus attack itself. Um, But Cole and... Catherine don't know this yet, and they decide that they can't stop the future. They might as well just kind of live out the rest of their days as happily as they possibly can because all their leads kind of went to dead ends. And so Cole has always wanted to see the ocean, so they decide to buy some plane tickets and uh, try to go and see the ocean before um, they get caught or arrested or thrown into mental asylums. Um, On their way to the flight, they get some disguises and um, make their way to the airport where simultaneously the uh head viral, viral the head viral or, or, the head scientist doing the <laughs> uh, the viral studies um, is also on his way to uh to release these uh to start releasing the virus throughout the world and and he has a plane ticket to the exact locations where all the outbreaks begin um they are going through security and uh Cole goes to make a phone call one more time and he picks up the uh he picks up a, a payphone and he dials the uh the voicemail number and he leaves a message saying that it wasn't the 12 monkeys that are, were the actual ones they were the, the the wrong people to go after it was actually this um virologist who uh, worked for this company and and right then Jose shows up which was his cellmate that we talked about and he the message went through and he was the man sent back uh from the future to uh give Cole a gun to uh, kind of complete his task and, and get his full pardon in in the future. There's a scene where Cole begrudgingly kind of accepts this job and he takes the gun and they're trying to get through this security line and they're being held back by all the, by the guards and the security and they can see ahead of them, the, uh the actual um bad guy who's going to be releasing the viruses and Cole ends up pushing through, making it through the security as the cops start to kind of, diverge on him. And, uh, he's, he is then shot in the back before he can get the shot off onto the, uh, the, the evil scientist spreading the viruses and, uh, dies. But it is the, it is this scene, uh, that we've seen throughout the film of the, the dream that he had been having as a little boy. So he essentially, he witnesses his own death as a, as a child in the airport. And, uh, the man is able to escape. And in, in the final scene, as we discussed, uh, as as the uh, the bad guy sitting on the flight and it's taking off, next to him in the uh, in his in the seat next to him is the uh, scientist from twenty thirty five who has now returned from the future, and she says the phrase that she's there as insurance, but you know cryptically to not uh, you know get any kind of insane asylum.
1: So I've got a problems herself. A, a couple points. I'll start with the first one here. Uh So this is. Was anyone thrown off by the airport security? <laughs> <1990s>. 1995. <laughs> Where this menacing man puts a thing in, and there's like seven tubes of, like, these science tubes, and he's like, they're biological materials. And you're like, he's like...
3: Naturally, the first thing you do is shake
1: it. Yeah, and right? Open it. And, and he's like, have a smell. <laughs> oh, my God. And he's like, I have papers, and... And that brought me to my next question. I was like, "Are there papers you can carry to <laughs> yeah. transport deadly viruses on planes?" Like, what what papers are these? Like, who do I apply? You go like, and like, because obviously these things move. Like, you have to transport. But I was like, "There's, there's just no way you can just." There's like, oh, I have my biological passport here where I can transport smallpox on a on Southwest
2: like (laughs) you know now that you're you're saying it it kind of sounds like that would actually be the case right that's what i was saying i was like oh my god i
1: bet that's a thing and i bet like (laughs) pfizer or Merck or someone has transported something (laughs) completely deadly at some point but he's like i have my papers like (laughs) everyone (laughs) calm down it's in the suitcase like (laughs) but um yeah this guard and You don't have to be a scientist to be weary of random tubes in a briefcase that has, like, specific measurements built for these tubes. And, like, (laughs) he doesn't even wince when he's like, look, you can just open it. There could be nothing (sighs) in here. Yeah, I mean, if you were to
0: say, think of ominous vials, (laughs) this isn't about what I would picture.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. I just, that whole time I was like, this is outrageous. And then he's like, all right, move along. Like he wasn't like I'm gonna have to call my boss, right? Uh, So that almost
0: just just lampshaded how silly it was, though. (laughs) It's like knowing how ridiculous it is. So
2: maybe maybe we just live in a world with much you know
1: more stringent
2: restrictions on everything. You know,
1: yeah. Maybe that's my modern take on airport security. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So my thing. Take their shoes
2: off.
3: My thing is. Everything. So the 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 plot comes to a climax. Everyone's identified that Doctor Peters is the the perpetrator, right? Right. So mm-hmm. I'm putting myself in in his in uh, Bruce Willis's shoes here. Maybe instead of chasing after the dude with the gun, I just pick up the phone and call that voicemail box. Be like, hey, P.S. It was Doctor Peters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we can Peter we can cut her... this
1: off in 1990
3: yeah for, for, for a man that has such good
2: memory like how the hell isn't he able to kind of understand that time travel means i can come back five minutes before this yeah we're or in no rush. two weeks before this <laughs> or maybe
1: before peters is even to strangle him in this crib you know what i mean like this is like a um what was the edge of tomorrow situation where it's like we got nothing but time yeah we'll just take my this edge
3: <laughs> my understanding was that he needed his teeth to go back. Am I wrong in that? I thought it was there, just. A, it, spi- it was oh. that they were using
2: the teeth to track, track him. him. So they had some kind of oh. tracking system with the teeth. I don't know, but
0: but if I, it was, I, I think is. you might be onto something, right? Yeah, like you know, the Scotty teleporting them out. He, yeah. he has to like get a lock or whatever, right? Because he
3: specifically says, "I'm not coming back," and I put that together with the fact that he pulled his teeth out. So as
2: in you're not a whole person, you can't go back. No, it's
1: like a teleporter situation. They need the exact location, time, everything to do it. And they can't do it from their end because they can't.
2: Because they can't hone down because some of his biological material is somewhere else. Yeah,
3: Yeah, no. Which is is fine. Like that that ends Bruce Willis's or whatever his name is. Fucking his. Cole. uh Yeah, Cole's chance at stopping this. But we got Jose. We got presumably a million other prisoners. You know, people we could send back. Like, come on. Yeah, Jose's already
0: there.
1: Yeah, Um, right. Yeah, why don't you kill him, Jose?
2: Going back to the fact that this kind of does not play with that paradox a lot, and it kind of does say, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. Bruce Willis, or sorry, Cole, we know now at this point was destined to get shot this whole time so we i mean you can't change that right so but
1: he was only destined because he did it yeah the, the ending is the more we talk about it, i'm like meh but <laughs> well so I, I didn't initially
3: think this <laughs> i got some gripes from the uh, like a gun nerd perspective but before i get into that jose hands him this gun but it, like he i think cole even asked like who am i supposed to shoot <laughs>
1: so like how did we <laughs> you'll know, you know how did when he... you see him
3: like why was there why was there a gun? You know what I mean? I, yeah. So was that just a the... ploy to flush out whoever it was.
2: No, so in the plot, I missed this part. So when Cole is making that phone call and talking about how the the, the lead was not oh, that Oh, that's Catherine right. Catherine sees in the paper, she recognizes Peter from a little blurb about the virologist, people, the scientist, and she recognizes his face in that and she puts it together that he is the uh Jeffrey's the uh the 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 man who's going to start spreading the virus across the, the globe. And she sees him in the airport um, at the newsstand. And she runs to Cole and Peter's says- Peter's not
3: Jeffrey. Peter's, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah.
0: Dr. Peter's? Yeah,
2: she, yeah, yeah. yeah." Wait, What? Dr. Raleigh? You, anyways,
3: said, you said Jeffrey.
2: Oh, I meant Peter. Anyway, so she runs to Cole and uh, yells at him that it's, it's Peter. And she points at him. And that's when Cole goes after him. I get that. That doesn't really explain why Jose showed up there. But I guess he got the message- <laughs> right
1: yeah well it kind of
2: does because the the voicemail he left her was it's not the 12 monkeys if you're getting this uh that's the wrong lead so maybe they just like decided to just meet him at that phone booth with a gun
0: yeah so yeah put it this way they don't know so they send someone and why they send a gun i'm with june now this is weird but if if they give him a gun right you know (laughs) it's the old writing trick right like if nothing is happening have someone walk in the room with a gun right (laughs) um and so they – he knows who it is. He hasn't told them. They give him a gun, and he can he can end it all there, right? But because he went for it and tried to kill him, now Jose knows. Now they know,
2: right? Uh, yeah. That we know. And now, they can, now the know. scientists can come back. They didn't. So, so and essentially, Cole was just uh, just a, a pawn that they just sacrificed there just to discover who it was, and then they can come back as a scientist to try to get the, the, the uh, vaccine yeah. in the future.
0: So Okay, I can, I can buy that. I, I have a riddle me this in a moment, too. It just felt on real ahead,
3: rushed at the end.
0: Yeah.
3: Okay, so gun nerd stuff. Jose hands Cole a Lamotte revolver, which is historically significant for being the gun of Confederate generals and Confederate officers in the Civil War. Uh, it has no percussion caps, by the way. It can't fire, but neither here nor there. <laughs> Throughout the movie, there's Berettas, there's Glock 17s. I was like thinking why, the same thing. Why? That to me said there was some kind of significance to giving him this 1800s revolver.
2: I think it's it uh, maybe think... implying that Jose has been struggling through time this whole time. Like he, he got stuck in World War One. He's like, God. And then he got stuck well, in the Civil War.
3: And then so, finally he yes. makes it. So I thought about that too. But then we go back to the old rule of you can only bring back yeah. what is inside of your body. How did he bring it?
0: That's maybe all he could scrounge together at a pawn shop before he got there. So he
3: keystered a Lamont revolver.
0: <laughs> I mean, I-, I was going to say maybe this is just showing like the despondent state of like what they can bring to the table in the future. But he couldn't have brought it back. So you're right. He must have acquired it on site, as they he say. He this rare, <laughs> rare through time antique somehow.
1: Like, what if he brought a musket? And he's <laughs> like, go get him gold. <laughs> like, <laughs> Where'd you get that, Jose?
3: Don't just, ask. <laughs> it just seemed like an unfinished, like, thing. Because it's... it's It, it, it could have been any modern 1990s gun. Yeah, you could have handed him just, know. like...
1: Beretta, I'm just be like here, go, go to, you know, just
3: yeah. But then you'd have to
2: explain like how these people are able to purchase a gun where they're coming through time. There's can no ID, somebody. there's no background. Well,
0: Jose checks. clearly doesn't have the same issues that Bruce Willis does. He's,
1: he has his <laughs> shit much more together. He can do what they ask him to do when he goes back. Jose can pass a background check. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he so- he shows up clothed, which is already huge. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> he's not drooling. He hasn't told anyone he's a time traveler. Bruce Willis so in fact he blends in <laughs> like. Bruce, Bruce Willis had a
2: revolver at one point during the movie and he had to kill a homeless guy for that he, like Jose's gotten it easy
1: speaking of <laughs> blending in so they decide that the the best way to hide is to dress like Leonard Skinnerard like <laughs> I was like really you could just got a hat and some sunglasses like the classic uh, like okay. wait, that we had. The marble disguise, a hoodie, <laughs> and a baseball hat. But we got the shittiest fucking face glue that we get. He has to constantly be touching this thing up. like. Wait, okay. so gets- what,
0: what is with the guy who keeps talking to him? Did I, I, did I, I miss the significance of this? The one who talks in the funny voice that he confronts in the bathroom?
2: Well, that goes back to what I was kind of saying oh, at the Bob? beginning, where it started to try to imply that maybe it is in his head, but they did a really terrible job of making that kind of stick. And that throughout the film, they're hearing that dude calling him Bob. And he hears, like, I don't know. It was I, I didn't know if that was necessary not to, like, try to play the fact that he might be psychotic.
1: I just made the assumption that every homeless person is a lost time traveler. From the future.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Who's you know, just the, refused the to go is, right? back. So like, Bruce Willis has, like, the mustache and the wig. And then all, all they give Catherine is a blonde hair. Like, she right. looks exactly the same, but blonde hair.
1: Which...
0: To be fair, she's not the one that murdered anyone.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why would she hiding from the cops? I did like the Hitchcock reference because they just mm, watched a mm-hmm. Hitchcock marathon in the theater and then she dresses
1: up like, yeah. And, you know, we all know Hitchcock's obsession with blonde women. So, yeah. I like the nod. That was to a Hitchcock, good nod. Yeah. Um, I, get that. I have another, like, I guess, clerical or issue with policing in this. Uh. <laughs> so, um, when the cop goes to the airport. This is really minor but he walks up with a wanted poster, right? And instead of going to airport security, he goes to some <laughs> random ticket lady and he's like give this to everyone you know. Like she's like I, and she, she looks terrified. She just goes, "Okay, not like I think you should talk to my supervisor." Like
3: I <laughs> And that, he gives that her one specific what? airline too.
1: And she's like, <laughs> "What? I would have been like, "Wait, you want me to make copies of this too?" the police department can't make <laughs> copies. Like you got to put this on American airlines to make copies of your water <laughs> Poster.
3: <laughs> don't, don't worry guys. United airline is <laughs> on the case.
1: Like, he just walks up to a random ticket lady goes, Hey, keep the lookout. And she's like, okay. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like <laughs> that, that was that. And then this brings me to my final and most critical note. And I think you'll all agree with me. Um, and it reminded me when Mike couldn't say virologist, uh, ad-
3: oh. uh ad- advertisement. Oh. advertisement.
1: I rewinded that scene like four I was times. That.
2: Look. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a
3: commercial. It's like,
1: no, I know what, no, I know adver- what advertisement I know. is. I don't know what ad- Look,
3: advertisement that is. Was, that was so bad that I had to Google if that actress was British.
1: <laughs> an, She's not. So she just decided that
3: it's an advertisement. An ed- <laughs> ed- advertisement, but that had to have been like directed, you know, because <laughs> if if yeah. I was the director, I'd be like, cut. Like, yeah, why wh- are you saying wh- it like that? What did you just Stop say? That. It's an advertisement. <laughs> Maybe that's just the way you said it back then
2: in the nineties. <laughs> yeah,
0: famed error of the transatlantic accent. <laughs> an
1: advertisement. God, that that was. I still am just jaw dropped. I kept rewinding it. My wife's like, "Would you stop?" I was like, "I, I'm trying to <laughs> pick apart what this inverse meant. Why?" And Bruce Willis doesn't even go like look at her like what? Like I don't know. <laughs> A strange thing
2: happens in this film where uh, Bruce Willis and Catherine's roles almost switch as far as their motivation. Like at the beginning, Bruce or uh, Cole is essentially uh. He's almost manic trying to figure out this 12-monkey situation. And once Catherine starts to believe him that he is from the future, she becomes manic and he turns into this almost docile person throughout it. It was a very strange, distinguishable point during the film where where the characters suddenly stopped being the same characters we had been watching throughout the film. And it kind of took away from it, I feel. What do you mean? I just feel that the, the, the way that Cole's drive and, and the way he his character was acting um starts when he came back the last time and Catherine who had been you know this non-believing person she starts to act like this manic person trying to push Cole Cole becomes almost like he doesn't have drive he's not trying to get places quickly but in the first part he's running around punching people in the face stealing shit like you know, murdering hobos, and then suddenly he becomes like almost like he's a pawn or not upon pawn. He's he's just kind of following um Catherine around, and Catherine's kind of just putting clothes on him, putting the makeup on him. He's almost like he
3: becomes like he, like he gets catatonic or something. I gotcha. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I agree. There's there was nothing in between the last time he went back to the future to kind of because he got his pardon, um, and he seemed like he was all all in, right? But there was nothing to show that he is now like I'm done
1: with this shit. Yeah. And then the first thing he says,
0: along to go back, they do
1: a quick reference when he lets her out of the trunk in the forest because he goes, I really like this water and I love this air. And I think that was supposed to be the, the snap. It's jarring. It's not tight by any means, but I guess that's when. I could get maybe yeah maybe he's just like, over
3: it. Just the yeah. fact that he's failed twice now, or or whatever, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. And I- <laughs> it would be kind of disappointing that he did. So he, yeah, you're he went back
2: to the went back to the future. He went back to his present in 2035. Was told by them that he got his pardon, and he just at that point he's like, I maybe I am crazy. I, I'd rather live in. It's it's like the Matrix scenario, right? Would you choose to live in? a nice place where there's clean air and fresh water? Or would you choose to live in a hellhole where, yeah, it's reality, but why the hell would you do that? So he wants to go back to the 1960s, even or 1990s, even knowing that the world is going to end soon. But there's a possibility that maybe he's not. Anyway, so he he chooses that. But go ahead, Jack.
0: I I think this is the part where he does go crazy, right? And it's like a weird inversion in that he thinks that reality is like he goes the opposite direction he starts thinking that his reality is just you know a a figment of his imagination or psychosis or something right because
1: he's went reverse crazy (laughs) because Brad Pitt tells him I would have never done this if I hadn't met you and that kind of like throws him off
0: yeah that's why the other guy in the insane asylum is important the one who you know has this delusion of a planet where he lives and he knows it's fake. So now Bruce Willis is like, oh, my future time is fake. I know it's fake.
2: Get, get kind of a mind fuck it must have been for Cole. Like he he starts to feel that way because, yeah, he definitely starts to maybe think, maybe I am crazy. Maybe this is not reality. But he makes it back, right? So he gets out of the 2020, 2035. He convinces them to send him back one more time thinking he's just crazy and that he wants help that's kind of like the point when he goes back he's like I want help I'm just crazy but he ends up meeting Catherine which he came back because he wants help and he wants to become sane and suddenly she's now on board with the 12 monkeys and now she's telling him he needs like that, that would piss me off like I just finally got to the point where I, I believe you and now you're telling me that I'm not crazy this whole time
0: yeah I mean even as a movie tactic it felt like it didn't quite get the attention it needed or didn't it, it didn't come together in a way that made it a really meaningful part of the movie to me
2: maybe he just thinks he's even more crazy like he's oh man now my my psychosis has now indu- like you know succumbed around to you and now you're part of my <laughs> mental problem well, he, does,
1: he does say I don't think the human brain was designed for time travel <laughs> I, I tend <laughs> to agree with that assessment um, I have a a point real quick um so when he comes back uh he's in like the hospital ish whatever that is recovery room which point but are you all, talking about when he comes back um after the forest so after he when he starts to go crazy oh right? when he goes back to and 2035 you mean so he's in 2035 and i kind of like the design i'm a little confused by it and i'll explain why so i like how when he wakes up Th- they're treating him like royalty, right? They're excited. They're giving his pardon. He's done what they wanted. All the scientists are goofily standing around him. Um, and they have like this big ass painting that they hang. That's like, that's the reward is look, you can look at this pretty painting we found. Um, <laughs> and they tuck him in with like a power Rangers blanket. So I'm just assuming that like, that's a high level commodity. Like <laughs> 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 Um, but where I I really and I like those those ideas like everything is so like we're so need of in need of things that like this simple Power Rangers blanket is royalty. um Yeah, but they're able to somehow piece together. Yeah. a time machine. So this is where I really get into issues. They go, oh, this music thing you found, we're into it. And I go, wait a fucking second. Bruce Willis was a child. That's what I'm saying. He knows what music is, and (laughs) he'll remember some ditties along with the older people that sent him back. Number two, let's say that they have no access to music and somehow, in their lifetime, have forgotten what music is. They can't hum or do caveman shit. Um, (laughs) how did they hear his tune? Did he record it on the voicemail and send it over? Like. (laughs) <laughs> or were they viewing it directly from him, which means like, why do they need all these people and why do they need the voicemail if they can just experience what he's experiencing? That's
3: so true.
0: But Shane, they know his teeth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> his teeth are recording devices.
3: Like, dude, like they're I don't, just microphones. And and it's not like you know he went back to the twelve hundreds where they're playing lute music yeah. or some shit <laughs> like. There's literally a poster of Illmatic in the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's. Yeah, like Shane said, he's not even the oldest one there, right? So there will have been people that were older than six in 1996. Yeah. I, and also. None of, the,
2: none of the surface crews could bring back a CD or, uh, a, you know, VH, like a tape or something like that. They needed to
1: go way further in the future if they were going to play those notes. <laughs> like so far that it's you can kinda of grasp that maybe we've devolved. But like <laughs> this is like me now being years. sent back to elementary school. I remember the bands I listened to in yeah. sixth grade. Like <laughs> Right.
3: In thirty nine year thirty nine year was all was all it took for the world to forget about Celine
1: Dion. <laughs> <laughs> Her heart will the not world go will never on. Forget. <laughs> Um Yeah. But I mean that, that's a little gripe. I guess we can get into our general impressions here, but I yeah, have I have thoroughly yeah. griped my gripes.
0: It, yeah, time travel movies are just messy.
3: <laughs> it's so I, I want to bring up a kind of alternative. Um so this movie is loosely based on a French short film called La Jetée. And in La Jetée there is a similar circumstance of like post-apocalyptic world, uh, they send somebody back in time. Uh, and then he goes to the future, uh, saves the world, is going to be killed in his present, but then has the opportunity to live permanently in the future, but des- decides to go back to the past. Much like Cole, right? He wants to live out in the past. But the motivation in La Jete was that he fell in love with a woman, and I think a motivator like that would would have been more fitting to this instead of literally. He's just like, ah, oh, well, I guess I'm fucking insane. I'm gonna go live in the past now. He
1: wants to retire to the Florida Keys like <laughs> you know maybe maybe
3: maybe it was that he fell in love
2: with Cap and it just didn't really flush it out very well, much they yeah. should
3: have i mean they should have gone with that if, if they should have stuck with it if that was what they wanted but i don't think it was i think it was just like uh
2: yeah they, but they did share a kiss there at the well, end so i think it kind of should, implied
1: it at least the best i can compare it to is in terminator they have the relationship build you know and they have a sex scene they have things that show that they've built a relationship so like how i all time travel movies you choose the most romantic one terminator (laughs) it's about love literally procreation has to happen to save the world
2: oh my
0: god bruce willis was also in looper which is pretty much also this
2: movie (laughs) It's more blunderbusses
0: (laughs) speaking of weird archaic guns yeah
2: The only gripe I have with Looper is how can you actually expect your audience to believe that Bruce Willis is the older version
1: of just of- Gordon-Levitt? Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Like- they look nothing alike. I, love it.
0: I mean, it was plausible in this movie because that child looked like he was close to balding, too. <laughs> 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 well,
3: what, what do you think that kid was, like 12 yeah. yeah, ish. And that would mean Bruce Willis would have to be in his fifties in this movie, in this <laughs> timeline. You age slower yeah. in the future. He should have been current Bruce Willis of 2022, <laughs> playing I, the playing the little kid. I, no, no, playing uh, Cole. <laughs> I love
2: uh, I love these type of uh, time travel movies when they have their idea of what a time travel device looks like, <laughs> and in this one, it's just a blue hole in the it's wall that they just like you get shoved shove into. him through. <laughs>
1: <laughs> into the time hole with you <laughs> get in the time spinker. Yeah. <laughs> you just go up to it and just collapse your ziplock bag into the hole <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah so if I'm
3: understanding this correctly the big the big twist that the viewer kind of was supposed to identify with was that it was never the 12 monkeys and they were just some random degenerates that were releasing the zoo that's what I, I got from the, the first time I watched it the 12 monkeys yeah. bought a zoo
0: I think there's a couple pieces. One is that, um, yeah, 12 monkeys aren't really the ones who did it, right? Uh, two is that it was his own death that Bruce Willis witnessed. Um, oh, yeah,
3: that's right. That's right.
0: And three, that Bruce Willis is not like the hero, sort of, right? Like he's not yeah. the, that he, he's, he's not the one who saves the day.
3: He was sacrificial in this whole thing. Yeah. I'll give props to the, uh, the fact that he witnessed his own death, kind of thing. That was uh, I wasn't expecting that, and I think I I, I was a little you know I thought that was cool. I think the Twelve Monkeys thing it, it didn't really elicit a response though.
1: Yeah, yeah. It kind of just like was like ah let's write him out. Like yeah, there was none of this like oh my god it was Peters
3: the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's it, we're not talking like Shutter Island or Prestige well, here, especially right? since yeah. they introduced him twice. Like, he only shows up twice in the movie, and both times he's like, wouldn't it be great if all the humans died? Like, so you're just like, <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, that makes... Yeah. He 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 wasn't, like, intertwined with the 12 monkeys. There wasn't, like, some... I mean, there was kind of a loose connection, but it he needed more it, to, like, really be like, oh, fuck, it was Peter. It felt like a just a
0: substitution rather than mm-hmm.
1: a reveal. Yeah. yeah but
3: okay
0: um yeah i mean i think we're already starting to get into it but just thoughts on the movie overall rather than play by play i mean i i think i stand by my note that this movie is like interesting but really messy
3: yeah it wasn't it wasn't tight at all even for time travel movie standards yeah yeah
0: Yeah. i like really need to watch primer i
1: uh, what's Primer? don't watch tenant (laughs)
0: <laughs> Primer is the most comprehensive time travel movie I've ever seen and you have to watch it like all out the salt shakers
1: <laughs> Isn't it like filmed in their garage? <laughs> uh
0: yeah, it was like made on a budget of like $7,000. Wow. I and think this,
2: anyway. <laughs> I think this film was was I liked I liked the I liked the future scenes. They were really good. I thought they were really interesting seeing this, you know, post-apocalyptic, very strange, almost comedic, weird future. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the beginning parts in uh, the 1990s and, like, the insane asylum. The acting was really good and well done. But then the movie really lost me when it started becoming Cole and Catherine running around. And I just really it, – it's almost like it blurs at that point and it just kind of pushes through to the when end. When it became a born
1: movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, any other notes about the movie as a whole? Nah. Um so just like to kind of wrap up as far as how it did and a few little tidbits and trivia. So the the original casting choices were Nick Nolte for James Cole and Jeff Bridges as Jeffrey Goines. Um
3: <laughs> interesting.
0: Which would have been very different. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean we we touched on the important themes so it made a lot of movie. Uh, it was a limited release, release initially, but over the course of, you know, like rentals and stuff, which kind of get factored in for movies of this era, it did make about $170 million on a budget of $30 million. So definitely successful.
1: Uh, Jeff Bridges, they would have just had of, him as the dude. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Yeah, uh, roaming around the uh, <laughs> asylum. asylum with a white Russian. <laughs> it, Wait he a could minute. have worn the same
3: costume. Bruce Willis meets himself in The Kid, too.
1: I, I was comparing this to The Kid. Oh, my God, you brought it up. God damn. What a reference. His his former kid self comes to teach him what an asshole he's become. <laughs> All right. um, okay.
0: So well regarded uh critically acclaimed uh, definitely like well considered in the sci-fi world, which is often kind of um when you're a, a sci-fi movie fan, you take what you can get, right <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's so this well, is well there goes yeah. a lot of those viewers. <laughs>
0: it was nominated or brad pitt was nominated for the uh, oscar for best supporting actor but lost out to kevin spacey in the usual suspects um nominated for costumes and uh brad pitt did win a golden globe for this one so it won a bunch of other sort of like non-oscar awards too so definitely well regarded um
2: you know what I, yeah. I find interesting is that this was so well-regarded, but I've always thought of this as being kind of a cult classic and cult following and not like a really well-regarded movie. Agreed. I'm surprised by these.
1: It's it's a weird one in that way where I feel like not a ton of people have heard about it, but it I guess it was well-received.
0: Yeah, I feel like we have to benchmark it against like sci-fi movies. Maybe it's like right? music.
1: You just forget about it apparently after a certain amount of time to be reintroduced.
2: Well, to be, to be exact, 39 years. 39 years. I mean, I... <laughs>
0: I feel like maybe Blade Runner is kind of an apt comparison, right? Because well-regarded, well-made, right? Successful, but still, like, not...
1: Yeah. well, It's not like Star Wars or Top Gun or... And this movie also could have been buried a little bit in that... Because this is, like, prime... Like, Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt's, like, heyday. Like, Brad Pitt was coming out with Seven, I think, around this time. You know, Bruce Willis was making... Not The Sixth Sense yet, I don't think. But, like, there was a lot of stuff that was coming out around that time that this movie resembles, at least, like, a movie poster-wise, that you'd be like, oh, I could get buried in the...
0: Yeah, this movie, this year, had, like, Braveheart and Apollo 13, Sense and Sensibility. So, I yeah, it... I don't know. It seems very, very easy for this to sort of, you know, always the brides never the bride
1: also had pocahontas i feel like this movie has like full metal jacket syndrome a little bit where everyone knows the first half but no one knows the back half <laughs> yeah
0: well yeah um all righty so let's uh move on to the most important part here the part where we rank this among the movies we've seen so yeah we've watched 40 movies so far um where does this one fall june do you want to go first uh i'm I'm gonna need a
3: second Mm. i know
0: i'll start us off i like i said i like this movie i thought it was interesting like we clearly had some like good conversations about it and trying to figure out some of the topics and wrangling with time travel paradoxes but at the same time it still just feels messy so i think i'm gonna put it this is not the most scientific of rankings, but I'm going to put it at uh number 22 behind JFK.
2: Okay. It's a little bit lower than I thought it would be for you. It's a, it's I mean, a it's weird a, one. It's a tough one. Like
0: it's it's hard it's certainly not bad, right? But it, it even as it, it's just really hard for me to look at this one and say like this is some of the best. Mhm. Who's ready?
2: I'm ready. I'll go. I think um this movie was a lot better seeing it a second time. The first time was just too convoluted for me, um, and I would have ranked it a lot lower. But after the second time around, it was actually uh, a little bit more clear, and I think it's uh, going to land at number 13, right below Young Frankenstein and above Dances with Wolves.
1: Okay. Respectable. Interesting. Um, So I go through this problem every week now, and the and I always name a movie of that I'm always surprised to where it is. So apparently I really didn't like the King's speech. I don't remember not liking the King's speech this much. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I liked that movie because it's under top 20. Yeah. Well, I thought you liked Ratatouille so too. I'll just, before I go in, so I'm going to place it at, I think it's like number 17, just above Fiddler on the roof. Uh, or no, 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 no. I'm going to place it under rain man at 16 for me, just above kind hearts and coronets. I enjoyed this movie. I think it definitely belongs on this list and like has a place. It was two hours and ten minutes, and I didn't really feel like that, so I I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's got some it's issues. Common theme in your ranking, but I can't believe that I liked it more than the King's Speech. <laughs> 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 That's the movie of this this podcast that I can't believe where it is. Shane's ranking has really come down to how long is the movie and how long did I pay attention to it. <laughs> that is a key point. But yeah, just under Rain Man, um, for me. All right, June. So much like Shane, I don't know why JFK was so low
3: on my <laughs> list. But... Isn't
1: that the worst? Like, wait, I didn't hate that uh, movie. <laughs> uh,
3: so I think I'm gonna have to put this at number 24 because I think it was better than Anatomy of a Murder, but it was not as good as Rope. So, yeah, 24. Uh, Yeah, like we've mentioned, it was messy. Eh, Not so substantial, but the acting was very good. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that saved this movie in a lot of respects. Um, But, yeah, with all that said, number number 24. June, do you just go
0: through and look pairwise until you find two movies it can slot between?
3: kind of i i kind of look at like what i liked better than this and then i'm surprised when
1: you know it doesn't fall where it needs to but yeah no i know i was like this is gonna be lower half and i was like well i liked it more than those wow why is king speech here and then i keep going up. <laughs> because I, yeah. I thought i liked rosemary's baby but <laughs> i think we <laughs> had some issues yeah. with that one we'll, we'll have to go back to the tapes
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, the next podcast, on. <laughs> we uh, review our own podcast. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, working working title title: the podcast where we review and rank the top 250 working title episodes, yeah. as
3: reviewed by
2: the people at uh, Working Title.
1: We we just do this endlessly re-reviewing what we do. We four <laughs> amateur podcast movie reviewers, <laughs> podcast reviewer of movie podcast reviewers. No, we, <laughs> by that point we'd be journeymen movie reviewers but then do we get in the loop of we're viewing our own deaths as we as we pull the trigger on ourselves i mean
0: watching the last picture show i felt like i had viewed my own death
1: <laughs> bogdanovich was sent from the future to go to our past to kill us i just feel like i died
0: um all well final verdict do you recommend watching it june
1: uh, I'm I'm hesitant, but yeah, it wasn't that bad. Chain, yeah, I put this. It's not the same as Fight Club. Fight Club's better, but it's it had that same feel for me. Um, less, yeah, yeah. Watch it; it's good. Mike, I think it's a a fun one to show people who haven't watched it,
2: <laughs> just because it's gonna weird them out. Yeah, guess, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'm really on the fence too. Um, yeah, I guess it's worth a watch. It's, it's weird Mike
1: and I ranked it kind of similarly and like presented it kind of similarly and you and June were both like eh. <laughs> <laughs> Mike and I are fusing in our <laughs> yeah your lists are converging <laughs> oh no alright
0: well thanks for joining everyone we'll uh, uh what are we doing next week Born Ultimatum
3: yeah the only Born on the list <laughs>
0: Which I
1: don't even recall being the best of them. <laughs> I'm going to approach as if I've never seen a born, so I'm just going to act confused as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to actually ask, what is Treadstone? <laughs> oh, I don't get why everyone's confused about Treadstone. It's revealed in this film. <laughs> why do they want this
0: Jason guy so bad? <laughs> all right huh. well yeah we'll uh, watch uh, born ultimatum and after that la la land so it Ooh. should be fun
1: That's good stuff here
0: all righty well thanks for joining us folks we'll catch you all around About will have to make some advertisements